talk to you this morning about five biscuits and two fish sticks. How many likes biscuits? Well, we've been on the Daniels fast, so I can't talk about biscuits too much. Butter and all that good stuff. <laughs> Matthew chapter 14. Begin reading at verse 13 through 21. Matthew 14, 13 through 21. I want to say if you have done anything for the church or you've um, put your hand to the plow, we appreciate everything that you're doing and we want to welcome all our guests here this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew chapter 14, reading beginning from verse 13. When Jesus heard of it, he departed thence by ship into a desert place apart. And when the people had heard thereof, they followed him on foot out of the cities. And Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion. Everybody say compassion. Toward them. And he healed their sick. And when it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, This is a desert place and the time is now past. Send the multitude away that they may go into the villages and buy themselves victuals. But Jesus said unto them, They need not depart. Give ye them to eat. And they say unto him, We have here but five loaves and two fishes. He said, Bring them hither to me. And he commanded the multitude to sit down on the grass and took the five loaves and the two fishes. And looking up to heaven, he blessed and brake and gave the loaves to his disciples and the disciples to the multitude. And when they did all eat and were filled, and they took up of the fragments that remained 12 baskets full. And they that had eaten were about 5,000 men beside women and children. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. This is a... A miracle passage, the miraculous. You might, I know this King James says five loaves, and you might be thinking of loaves of bread that you would buy at Myers or Kroger or Walmart or wherever you grocery shop. But remember, this is a lunch for a little boy. He doesn't have five loaves of bread, he doesn't have two large salmon in his backpack. He has five little flat, thin little biscuits and has two little pieces of fish meat. This is what he has. This is actually a large lunch for a young man. And his mother packed it with an intent that he would have the opportunity to share with someone. Five biscuits and two fish sticks. Kind of an amazing story because you don't hear anything about the young man after the miracle takes place. The scripture says they took up the 12 baskets full. The young man's name, or his name is never mentioned, but the young man is never referred to again in the scripture. I can only think in my mind what was going through this young man's mind and how he contributed to this great miracle that took place. And one of the disciples, as we read here, said, well, we only have, 
And this, I might mention that this is the only story that is mentioned in all four books of Jesus' biography, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. This story right here is in every one of them. Some of the, uh, the Gospels don't have other stories that Matthew has and so forth and so on. But this story here is in every one of the Gospels. And this young man takes his lunch. How many knows that if you had five sandwiches and if you had two large pieces of fish, you would say to yourself, I can't eat all this for lunch. Well, maybe you can and you need to go on a diet. But, but, you know, here we're looking at something that is very, very insignificant, very small, not even a, a paper sack. I'm thinking that it was just wrapped up in perhaps a rag or something that was very small, even to our thinking. Here is a young man that is taking a lunch, and we're not even sure that he's going to hear Jesus. We're not even sure what he is doing. The scripture doesn't elaborate on his life at all. The only thing that it tells is that he had the willingness to give when the question was asked. Now, let's think about this for a moment. The census were taken to figure out how much food they had among themselves. And the disciples says, we, I don't have any food. And they were looking at one another. I don't have any food. And they looked around at the people that were, they, Jesus had been ministering to. And no one had anything except this one little boy with this lunch. This is a, a large group of people. This is 5,000 men. Now, some have speculated that this was between 12 and 15,000 people because you had 5,000 men, plus their wives or the women, and then their children. And families were usually quite large in those days. Uh, you, that's how you supported yourself. That's how you had Social Security. You didn't have Social Security through SSI and the federal government. You had Social Security by how many children you had, and they were going to work, and they were going to take care of you when you were old. And so there, were a, there was a large group of people here. What can you do with just five biscuits and two fish sticks? Now, we received an offering this morning, and you may have thought to yourself, I've got a lot of bills, and this young man was giving something that wasn't uh, in his bank account, wasn't something that he had stored away as a savings. It was something that was an immediate need in his life. There was such an immediate need that uh, as many people in the world today, they get up in the morning not worrying about their job. They're worrying about what they are going to feed themselves. And this was this little young man. He had this lunch prepared for himself, whoever he could share it with. As the woman who was gathering sticks during the famine and the prophet said, get me a cup of water. And she turned to get a cup of water for him recognizing immediately who he was. And he said, oh, while you're going, go and bake me a cake and, and bring it back at the same time. And she gave him the response by, we are on our way and right now just gathering sticks so we can make a fire. And I have a little meal left and we were going to cook that, my son and I, and going to eat that. And then when it's all gone, then we're going to just fold our hands and get ready to die because nobody, and I mean nobody, has any food left in the land. 
Can you imagine going to neighbors and scouring the land trying to find some food? That's how desperate the situation was. Uh, I mean, even some of us, maybe you don't have snacks and potato chips in your house, but you've still got something in there. Uh, my, my brother, he would go to my Aunt Knuckles' house, and they, they had, were in the habit of going to the store every day. I don't particularly like to do that, but they, they would go every day in the morning, and, and that's kind of an old-fashioned thing, and you grab or buy whatever you need for that day. And, and in those days, when you went to the markets, it was pretty fresh. But now there's someone that's much preservative in foods that you don't really need to go to the store every day. But they would go every day, and when they ate uh, that evening, usually the food was wiped out and you had to go to the store the next morning. And my brother commented one day, he, one evening after dinner was over and he was feeling a little peckish, I guess we would say. You know, he wanted a little something to eat before he went to bed. And he started opening the uh, cupboards and pulling open the drawer. And he said, man, you know, there's nothing in this house but spices. That's all I can see is just spices everywhere. And, that, and that you can't eat spices by themselves. It's not edible. It's not something that would be fulfilling. Uh, you could put it in your mouth. You'd probably spit it out as soon as you put it in there. And, but this young man had eaten, uh, was ready to eat this at this time for himself. But he gave it willingly. Here's the beauty and the power of giving. The miracle that took place because this, this young man gave. Now there's... Uh, this passage that we read has no Old Testament reference to explain. Although there is an allusion to God feeding Israel when they are in the wilderness. We have a lack of great miracles that take place in this country on a regular basis. You know why? We have so much. We don't need great miracles. We don't need miracles of healing. I've got Health insurance. I'm saying that rhetorically. We don't need uh, God to supply our daily bread. You know, I got plenty. Hey, but if you were just depending on God to supply your need, you might have more miracles. Yea, I would say you would have a whole lot more miracles because you're depending on God rather than doing it yourself. We received an offering here and I appreciate the offering that you gave and your sacrifice, but you gave and we gave out of our abundance. It wasn't something that I'm going to take and give because it's the food that I'm going to buy today for my meal. It wasn't gas that I'm going to put in my car. It wasn't a payment, a house payment. It was something that I had extra that I'm giving today because I want to give to God. And I thank God for all that you that have gave. But when you give of your all like this young man, that is a different set of circumstances. Perhaps he didn't have any place to go when he left there to get a meal. And he's thinking, now what am I going to eat? I was thinking I was going to have, I was feeling pretty large. You know, I had five biscuits and two fish sticks. And man, I'm, I'm set for the day, maybe tomorrow. And if I really stretch it out, maybe I could let this go three days. You know, if I just, uh, you know, take a little bit at a time. But now I don't have anything. They've taken everything. And he willingly gave it. I want you to think about that for a moment. The sacrifice. Sacrifice is not something that's often talked about in North America because we do, do so little of it. One of the parallels in this passage that we read to you is the feeding of the 4,000. 
and which incur, occurs in Matthew 15 and 29 through 39. The differences in these two miracles, these two separate but similar miracles that Jesus performed, but they were used to tell different messages. The feeding of the 5,000 takes place in Jewish territory. On the western side of the division of the River Jordan flowing into the Sea of the Galilee. It was a sign to Israel that the Messiah was able to feed all the people even when there was no food to be had. The fact that there were 12 baskets, 12 baskets left over indicates that he could meet the needs of all the 12 tribes of Israel. Our God is Jehovah Jireh, the God that will provide. If I ask a question of anyone in here today, you can say that God has provided for you in unusual and difficult circumstances. He has made a way where there seems to be no way. He has supplied when there was no uh, supply there. He created it out of thin air just like God spoke and the worlds were created just as he strewed the stars in the heaven. He said, let there be light and there was light. That's the same God that I'm talking to you about. I'm talking to you about a, about a God that can create something from nothing. Most of us are from Missouri, the Mashomi state. We'll believe it when we see it. I'll tell you what faith is. You believe that God is going to provide it even when you can't see where the source is coming from. Even when you can't see where it originates. You know how you need to pray, God, I'm asking you to do this. I'm asking you to supply the need. I'm asking you to make a way. And I'm not putting any stipulations on how you have to do it or you can do it. God, I'm just believing that you will do it. He will make a way. He said, try me. You know why he hasn't made a way in your life recently? Because you haven't tried him. I was feeling a little anxious this morning. Honesty. Feeling a little anxious. I had a lot of things going through my mind and feeling a little burden. And uh, the Bible says, be anxious for nothing. So I said, Lord, forgive me. Sitting there in my chair behind my desk, I said, Lord, forgive me. Oh, God, you said be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, let your request be made donut to God. And so I said, Lord, I need your peace to come up on my mind. And, Lord, I'm asking you to handle these situations. And I'm not telling you how to do it. I'm just asking you to do it. You see, that's faith. You ask God to do it, and he does it. So many people ask God, and they say, God, I want you to do it this way. I want it to come this way, and I want it to be this way. You know, don't tie God's arms up behind his back. You know, how, God, how is God supposed to do it? Because I will guarantee you, if you'll allow God to do it, he will do it in his own time and his own way. Let him be God, not you, God. Because <laughs> God never answers it quite like you imagine it in your mind anyhow. Isn't that the truth? 
You thought it was going to come one way and it came another way. <laughs> you thought it was going to come this way and it came that way. It, you had it all worked out and all planned out and all mapped out and all written out. And, and you, had, you, you told people how God was going to do it. And God somehow, some way surprises you and does it another way. Now, I wouldn't have thought to take five little biscuits and two pieces of fish to create a miracle. Maybe I would have thought of, of a different way. I might have got the, all the disciples together and said, okay, men, now I want you to go into every village and every town, and I want you to say, hey, we have these 15,000 approximately people out here, and they don't have anything to eat. What can you spare us? And maybe God would have done it that way, but that's not how he did it. He did it a miraculous way, and there was no one's hand that it was involved in doing the miracle. Can you understand that this morning? So many times we, we try to mix a little bit of our ingenuity with God's power. Grab some grass, throw it up in the air, see which way the wind is blowing. Yes, I see the wind is blowing to the south. <laughs> you need to stop practicing superstition. Huh? You know, if you carry a lucky, lucky coin, a rabbit's foot in your pocket, uh, you need to, we are Christians here. We believe in following Jesus Christ here. I don't carry some lucky charm. Oh, that's a magic word. I don't carry lucky charms. I told someone, they kept saying that word. Oh, it works like a charm. I said, you need to stop saying that. What? I said, the word charm. Well, it's just a harmless word. I said, no, it's not a harmless word. I said, there is a lot of meaning. I said, you need to look at the root word of that, uh, root of that word. It means there's a spell been cast. It means there's something that you've done to conjure it up. That's another word, conjure. You call it forth. And I said, you need to put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what I'm talking to you right here this morning. We don't put our trust into the hand of man and not what we can conjure up, not what we can charm up through the power of witchcraft. But we believe that God will provide the need. As David said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. We believe that God will perform the miracle. Just as there is power in when you pay your tithe. There's so much power in that. So much blessing that comes forth. There's so much bountifulness. You know, when you hold your hand back when you are stingy, God is stingy with you. When you're gregarious, now that's a big word, when you are giving, when you are open, when you are uh, generous, a word we can understand, uh, that, uh, that's common in usage, the generosity of our spirit, not only in our finances, but in our time, not only in our time, but in our understanding, being generous with one another. You know, your conversation and your getting along with people is so much better if you're generous in how you treat one another. The Bible says be kind. Be kind. Being kind is a generous thing to do. It's generosity. 
When all you can think about is yourself, you don't care if you talk to them. You only talk to them if you need them and if they can help you and they can benefit you. I want you to know what goes around comes around. You know where that comes from? That comes from Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever you sow is what you're going to reap. You better be merciful because there is a day coming when you will need someone to be merciful to you. If you don't have compassion, note there is coming a day when you'll need compassion and people will be compassionless. I'm glad that God is a compassionate God. The feeding of the 4,000 takes place more on the eastern side of the Sea of Galilee. Across the boundary in the political territories, this region was not under Herod Antipas, but under his brother Philip. It was a heavily Gentile population. So by doing the miracle there as well, Jesus is showing them that as Messiah, he could provide food for the nations too. God is not just looking out for Israel, for Abraham's seed, but he's looking out for everyone who is that called of faith. We are the people of faith. We are the people that have responded to the preaching of the word, which is faith, that prophecy that goes forth, that gets into a heart. And that's why we come to the altar. That's why we raise our hands, because we are people of faith. And he said he would be Jehovah Jireh for us. He would provide for our needs. This calendar of the feeding of the 4,000 follows the miracle done for the Canaanite woman. You remember that portion of scripture? Jesus is taking a little vacation. You said, Jesus took vacations? Yes. He was exhausted. He went away and he wasn't in Israel. And the scripture says that she was bugging the disciples, asking them to cast out an evil spirit out of her daughter. And they didn't want anything to do with her. They said, go away. Finally, you know, she was driving them crazy. So they came to Jesus, and Jesus there, he's tired, he's exhausted. And she says, falls down at his feet and says, Master, my daughter has a spirit. And Jesus responds with something that seems to be very rude. He says, you know, we don't give bread to dogs. But she responded in faith. Now, I wonder how many of us, if I can just segue here for a moment, I wonder how many of us would have gotten offended and left before our miracle took place. You know, you can get offended and leave before your miracle takes place. But she didn't get offended. She knew, as, G as Peter told Jesus, you have the words of eternal life. Where else, where else where are we going to go? And she said, sure, yes, I know that, Lord. You don't give good food. You don't take it off the grill or the oven, out of the oven and give it to the dogs. You just give what the, the leftovers, the scraps, even the little puppies are, are down there getting the crumbs, whatever they can get. And he said, you said a right statement. Because of that, you will have what you want and your daughter to be made whole. And it was immediately after this little story here that John talks about this woman being uh, going to Jesus and receiving deliverance for her daughter. This Canaanite woman, this Syrophoenician, she wasn't part of the household of Israel. 
According to the scripture, there were seven nations living in the land when Israel arrived to take possession. This may well explain the symbolism of seven baskets that were taken up and collected after the feeding of the 4,000. I want you to know that God has everything under control. If you put your hand in his hand, if you will walk with him, he will supply the need. I, I can't tell you sometimes how he will do it. I'm not here to express how, how he's going to do it, but God does it. God does the work. Can I get an amen? God does the work. Amen. Talk with me this morning. Amen. Let's practice a little bit. If I say something good, you say amen. amen. If I step on your toe, you go, oh, me. <laughs> okay, that's, that's how it works. So uh, uh, now if I say something good, I want to hear some. Amen. If I say something to step on your toe, it's. Okay, we got that. Now we're done. I mean, Brother Moore's not here, so I got to do something, you know. <laughs> I get him, get him back to light a fire under some of y'all. Amen. <laughs> you know, the main thing about this story is to keep the main thing the main thing. You can segue into all kinds of what this means and what that means, but there was a little boy who gave his lunch and 12 baskets were received at the end. There was somebody who sacrificed to give what he really didn't have, the generosity and the largeness to give, but God blessed his generosity with so much more. Amen. And when we find ourselves in a situation that is so perplexing, I know that some of us find ourselves in very dire circumstances, but putting your faith and trust, the simple faith and trust in God is so much more than miraculous. How many wants to walk in the miraculous? I believe this is a miracle sermon this morning. And what you have given today, I believe that God wants to do some things in your life. I believe that he wants to see you, you to see how he can provide and not only provide. You know, uh, here's another portion of scripture. The Bible says that there's a man who had a friend that came and spent the night with him. And uh, he didn't have anything to give him. So he went to his neighbor, knocked on the door. And the neighbor said, what is it? What do you want me to do? And uh, he said, I don't have anything to feed my friend. He came from a, lo a long journey. He's hungry. And the ma man that on the other side of the door says, hey, listen, it's night. We're already in bed. The, doors, the, the bed is pushed up against the door. That's how they locked the door in those days. You know, nobody's going to break in. So they, and all my children are in the bed. Come back tomorrow. The man said, hey, listen, he's hungry and he needs something right now. The man says, all right. Throws the covers off, gets out, gets everybody up, pulls the bed back. And so what do you want? Need some bread. He said, the scripture says, he gave him what he wanted and whatever else he needed. You look at the passage of scripture. He gave him more than what he asked for. This is our God. He always gives you more than you ask for. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Well, men give into your bosom. That's how God does it. He doesn't just give a little bit. 
I think you need to get a revelation on some of you and paying your tithes so that when you write out that check and when, when you give an offerings like this, this is an opportunity for generosity. It's an opportunity for you to be abundantly blessed. Amen. Now, this is a transition period, this miracle that takes place. And previous to this, Jesus had received news of John the Baptist's death and his beheading. And although it's kind of slightly rearranged in sequence, this moved him deeply because he tried to retire to a solitary place. He was sad. The press of the crowds did not allow him much time to be alone. and He now needed that time to rest and to think and Probably the pain of the mission was beginning to be felt. And what happened to John? It happened to countless prophets and saints before. But it still grieved the Lord. It was indeed a death of a saint. But Jesus, the scripture says, and I had you repeat that verse, compassion. He had compassion. Here he is. He's tired. He's exhausted. He's prayed for Hundreds and perhaps thousands of people. He's ministered to sick people. And he wants to be by himself. He wants to meditate on John and, and mourn for him. But all these people, the Bible says he has compassion. He, has, he sees the need. And so he landed out. Uh, he was on the water in a boat. And he, he goes to shore and he gets out. And immediately starts ministering to people. You know... If those of you that want to be involved in ministry, better get ready. Amen? Know what you ask for because it's coming your way. Amen? If you really want to get involved, if you don't want to do this as a hobby, if this is not something that you're doing just as a side job or a gig on the side, that you're going to, you want the glory, you want the glamour, you want to hold the license, you want to, you want to sit on the platform, you want, to, you want people to call you certain titles. If that's all you're in it for, then that's all the glory that you'll get. But if you're really in this for the kingdom's sake, if you're really in this for Jesus Christ's sake, if you're really in this for soul's sake, I'm not talking about getting a name for yourself. The scripture says whatever is not of Jesus will go down and God will not share his glory with another. So you better have the right motives when you get involved in ministry. There has to be compassion. There has to be a long suffering. There has to be kindness in your ministry and how you work. The key word here is compassion. That internal yearning of sympathy and concern for people. Compassion extended enough to feed people. He saw that their needs. You know what the disciples did? They came and advised Jesus to send the crowd away. That was their advice. Hey, this is too much for us. Have you ever received a task from God and you looked at God and said, Hey, this is too much. Send it away. But God, you know what God said? Hey, you asked for this in the first place. Be careful what you pray for. Be careful what you pray for. Let me say that the third time. Be careful what you pray for. I remember a woman, uh, and this is a story that has stuck deep and embedded in my mind. And uh, she had several children, but the children, uh, they're hurt. 
she had selfishness problems and other issues and self-esteem, but she, uh, her children didn't want to seem to pay attention to her. They always went to somebody else or went to her husband, and, and she wanted them close. And so she prayed and prayed and prayed, Oh, God, I want a child that just sticks to me, that just loves me, that just wants me. And she got a child that was mentally handicapped that only wanted her. Be careful what you ask for. Be careful. That's right. You just might get it. Amen. So be careful. You know, it's better to say, not my will, but thy will be done. And and when you ask that, God knows what you can handle. Someone said, I can't handle this. Well, God said, well, you asked for it. I just gave you what you wanted. The Bible says that Israel wanted meat. That's all they could think about was meat, 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 meat. We want meat, we want meat, we want meat, we want meat. And so the Lord said, okay. And he sent quail, that, an east wind. And I meant it, it, it's, there was thousands, yea, millions of quail that flew in from the east. And they landed and, and they looked around and said, there's meat, meat, meat. The Bible says he gave them what they wanted but he sent leanness to their spiritual condition. Let me let that sink in for a moment. Leanness to your spiritual condition. God may give you what you want in the natural, but it might not be very good for you. You have a five-year-old and all they, they want, they want, they want, they want, they want. They want to drive my truck. And no, no, no. And, you know, after a while, you say, okay, you can drive it. It won't be good. <laughs> It'd actually be illegal. <laughs> But you see, that humorous uh, uh, illustration shows sometimes how selfish and immature that we can be. And we ask 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 and finally God says, okay, I'll give you what you want, but it's not going to be good. And when it destroys you, you ask for it. You know, I said here something here recently, and this was me pastoring this morning, but you know, God has given us power. He gave us power to bless. We have the power to bless. And we have the power to curse. Here's the key though. We only have the authority to bless. We don't have the authority to curse. Did you understand what I said? You have spiritual power. Everybody has it, spiritual power, but you only have the authority to use that power in a blessing way. You don't have authority to use that power in a cursing way. And I'm not talking about using bad language. Amen. You know, even Michael the archangel, when Satan came to him and wanted to know where the uh, body of Moses was buried, And he said, the Lord rebuke you. In other words, that, that's a little above my pay grade. <laughs> I, I don't, I, you know, I might have the power, but I've never received the authority to do it. You know, Jesus said, I gave you my authority to use my name in a good way. In the name of Jesus, heal the sick. 
cast out devils, open the blind eyes. He gave it to you to show compassion. He did not you give you his name to be used as a curse word or a byword as a curse to place on somebody. Be careful when you, if you hear someone doing that because there's witchcraft in the air. This is not just a game we're playing, brothers and sisters. This is a for real. This is life or death that we're talking about. Bless, Jesus said, bless and curse not. And so the disciples came to him and advised him to send all these people away. But Jesus, he's testing them. He said, what do you got? And they said, well, we've only got this, Lord. <laughs> Matthew shows the irony. But Jesus he did not take their advice. Of course, he does not send the people away. What does he do? He feeds the multitude. This is the way that ministry works. Amen. This is the way that God wants to work in our life. Would you stand to your feet right now? This is how God wants to minister into our hearts. The blessing of giving. The blessing of generosity. The blessing of just having a little. But when you give it to God, his multiplication takes on something that is not of this world. But it's of the world to come. Amen. Amen. When the Bible says we can walk on streets of gold. When the Bible says that there are gates of pearl. I, I, I can't even fathom that in my finite mind. But it's God that's going to create it for us. I can't fathom hardly. I, I sit and sometimes I'm trying to understand how God, but through his voice, spoke the natural elements of the world into being. But he did. Amen. Hallelujah. Would you raise your hands and thank him right now?